careful now. Boing. So cool to be playing vinyl. Vinyl. Took the record off the turntable. You ready for this? Welcome to Behind the Vinyl. Here's your host, Stu Jeffries. This is the podcast that leaves you with more than you came in with. Behind the Vinyl takes you behind the songs to find out how it came to be and the stories behind the songs told by the artists themselves as they play the song on vinyl. In this episode, Randy Bachman explains how one of his biggest songs wasn't really meant to be a song at all, but more of a sibling rivalry thing. And that was a, a real amazing thing to happen to me, was to pull this out of the trash as a joke and put it on the album. We'll get to Randy in a few minutes. We're kicking off this episode with a former member of the Bare Naked Ladies, Stephen Page, and his take on their song, Jane. I would not be a good radio DJ. I guess they don't have to do this anymore, do they? There we go. It's Bare Naked Ladies with Jane. Um, this is actually a British um, seven inch vinyl record. So that's why it just has a little spindle hole in the middle rather than the, the 45 cutout. Um, when we used to tour in the UK a lot, I'd always, even in the in the mid to late 90s, buy a lot of vinyl because it was still kind of happening there after it had been phased out here. So it was very exciting to always, at least for a while, have uh, vinyl copies of our singles. Um, this song was actually co-written with an Englishman, and we wrote it with a guy named Stephen Duffy, who uh, was, is one of my favorite songwriters. He was, when I was 15, I bought his first record, uh, which was under the name of Stephen Tin Tin Duffy. Um, he was a uh, singer, songwriter, but you know, very pop in the kind of synth pop era. I had a big song called Kiss Me, and I bought that album in the summer of 1985 and listened to it over and over and over again. Um, I knew every inch of it and wrote him a fan letter and for some bizarre reason that neither of us can quite figure out he wrote me back and we became kind of pen pals friends and when I went to England um, when I was 19 uh, to travel around uh, he let me stay with him and his band while they rehearsed and then a few years later Bare Naked Ladies started to happen and we did a show in New York City and he showed up at that, and we went out for dinner, and you know we're fast friends once again. And he said, "Well, do you want to write some songs together?" Which I always liken to uh, imagining, imagine the girl of your dreams says, "Do you want to have sex?" Um, that's kind of what it was like. Uh, where I went, "Ah, uh, okay." So he came up to Toronto, where um, I was getting ready to get married, and he was staying there for two weeks. Well, he ended up saying for six, and we wrote most of the Brandy Naked Ladies' second album, Maybe Should Drive, including this song, which came from uh, him having a crush on the girl at the health food store near my house, and uh, didn't know her name. One day we were looking at a map of Toronto, and he saw the in intersection of Jane and St. Clair, and he said, oh, it sounds like the most beautiful intersection in the world, which it's not. Um, but from then on, she was Jane, as he would say, Jane Sinclair. So this now, this is named after the girl who works at the store. Well, it doesn't I'm sure she doesn't work there anymore, but she did in 1993. It was produced by um, Ben Mink, who was at that point writing um, really high because of uh, the work he did with Katie Lang on her Ingenue album, which went 
Grammys and huge hits like Constant Craving and stuff. And uh, but he's also an old prog rock, prog rock musician, you know, played with FM and Rush and so on. So you know, really kind of a meeting of of different worlds for us. And uh, we packed up and went off to Vancouver. And it was a difficult time for our band making a record, but we came out with a record that I'm still really proud of. One of my favorites. And, you know, this single is certainly slicker and more adult sounding, you know, for a bunch of 23 year olds, more adult sounding than the, the previous one. But I, I think it's really, it's right up, it's exactly the record I wanted to make at the time, and I still enjoy hearing it. Jane from Bare Naked Ladies and former member Stephen Page giving his side of the song story. I'm Stu Jeffries, your host of Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. Randy Backman's got a great story coming up about how a song he wrote to bug his brother turned into a hit. But before that, Michael Sadler of Saga reminisces about the hoops he had to jump through and the dangers he put himself into to, quote, achieve a certain sound for the producers. Here he is with On The Loose. This will be On The Loose. (sighs) Worlds Apart, Farmyard Studios. Ages ago. This, uh... (laughs) This brings back some some memories. The photos aren't in there, but, uh... That's John. Everybody always wants to know who that is. That's John. He's just some guy that they found. And uh, that was actually shot, I think, in a little village near the studio. And they put the fog in afterwards. You can see our, our, standing, our legs are standing there. But he was just some dude who just said, would you like to have your photo taken? We'll give you five quid or something like that. And he, uh, he posed for the photo. But, uh, hearing this song reminds me of, of the time when Again, I mean, Rupert and and Steve just had a way of thinking outside the box and they knew what they wanted and and, and not always how to achieve it, but they would try different things. And again, when it came to the vocal of On the Loose, they wanted a sense of angst, uh, a sense of impending doom or or, uh, danger, I guess, for want of a better expression. So, uh, with the studio being an old barn, you still had the, the cross beams all across the, the, the length of the, the building. And uh, <laughs> I walked into the studio one day, and uh, I looked out in the live room, because I knew we were going to do On the Loose that day. And uh, I walked in, I, and I, you know, I was going to do a vocal, and usually, where the vocal mic usually is, it wasn't. And I said, where's the, where's the mic? He said, uh, it's, it's up there. And I said, where and I looked up and they had jury rigged a, a microphone stand up on one of the beams and the I- and of course there was a ladder next to it and the idea was that I was supposed to go climb the ladder sit up on the cross beam and sing the entire song from up there which was about 35 feet in the air um, so I did <laughs> and there's a picture of it on the sleeve actually me sitting up there and uh, just balancing myself, you know, no ropes or anything, tie-off, just... Uh, and it, it gave a kind of sense of urgency to the track, so I, I, that's what they were looking for. And there was another time with... Um, it wasn't on this song, but uh, it was on the song Catwalk from uh, Heads or Tails, sorry, the Switch albums, but they had me in Trafalgar Square on the outside of a building, basically hanging off the edge, and... Uh, no, no ropes, nothing, just, just standing there on the ledge about this wide. And I remember a bunch of guys in the square underneath. Jumping. Do it, mate! Jump! Do it! They just thought I was about to commit suicide. So that was kind of fun. But again, working with those guys, it was like anything goes. Whatever it took to get the to achieve a certain sound, they knew how to get it. Or, or they wouldn't rest until they got exactly what they wanted. So. 
on the loose as one of those tracks, and they got what they wanted. I was afraid. I was afraid for my life. Yeah. Brings back memories. And this song, actually, um, it wasn't called On the Loose originally. I can't remember what the working title was, but I went through about 47 different uh, lyrics for the, for the chorus. What happened was the manager came in one night, we were listening to the track, and he said, you know, if you get this right, this could be a, a massive single. And we're going, okay, um, as you usually do react to manager's advice and that. Okay, whatever you say. But I, I turned out to be right, but I remember we, we, we brainstormed the, the lyric for On The Loose. Um, everybody got involved with it. I had the verses all done, but the chorus wasn't quite right. And we, uh, we finally came up with On The Loose. It was like, that's the one. Um, so after, like I said, about 47 rewrites, we finally got On The Loose. And I guess he was right. Thank you, Clive, if you're watching this. Uh, yeah, been On The Loose ever since. That's that. Michael Sadler of Saga, on the loose. Always amazed at how much danger singers used to expose themselves to to get a hit song. If you're Randy Bachman, however, you risk getting beat up by your brother because you wrote a song to tease him. BTO, you ain't seen nothing yet. One of my greatest mistakes. <laughs> song was not supposed to be on the album. I mixed one version to play for my brother because I was teasing him because he stuttered a little bit and put that song aside. And when the head of our label came in to hear us and hear the album, because he always did that to see what would make it on certain radio formats, we played him the album called Not Fragile, the third BTO album. And um, he said, pretty good. I like the song Not Fragile. You guys are doing something here. I think we can call it heavy rock. Uh, I hear a band like Black Sabbath doing stuff like that. And, uh, but I don't hear a single for Top 40 radio. And I said, that's it, the album's done. He said, well, I kind of like Roll On Down the Highway, but I really want to hear something that's going to follow, let it ride and taking care of business. And I said, that's it, the album's done. We had been on the road at that time, 93 days. We had 10 days holiday, of which a week was in the studio, and then three days to visit the strangers of our life called Wife and Children, who didn't know who we were, and uh, then back on the road for another 90 days. So let me just put this on. So I stuttered my way through this song. Charlie Fatch took it out and heard it. He was the head of the label, and he said, this is magic. I haven't heard anything like this on the radio. You must put it on the album. I said, you're nuts. The guitars aren't even in tune. I'm stammering and doing bad Van Morrison, Morrison impressions. I don't know what I'm doing. I, this isn't even a song. I haven't even written it. I'm just bl blurting out lyrics. And he said, no, it's charming. I, I discovered Maggie May for Rod Stewart, and that shouldn't have been a single because it was like seven and a half minutes long. Believe me, this will be a career song. And I said, what does that mean? He said, you'll be singing it every day of your life, and you'll be grateful to sing it every day of your life. That and taking care of business are going to be your songs. So uh, I relented and put it on the album, told him he was wrong. I thought it would never get any airplay. Um, it went to number one in 22 countries. It was BTO's only single million seller. We sold millions of albums, but this was like a real single. And got covered in maybe 10 or 12 different languages. German, Bavarian, Finland, everybody did the song. It's been covered many times as a dance disco hit. And I'm eternally grateful to this song. Take, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet in taking care of business because it's bought a lot of cornflakes for a lot of kids. 
a lot of gas for my cars over the years. And you ain't seen nothing yet. Well, this song reminds me of like, when something happens musically that you would call a mistake, it's happening for a reason. Embrace it. If something happens to you, you're going home, you have a flat tire, your shoelace breaks, you trip, you fall down. Everything happens for, for a reason. Just like go, it's, somebody's giving you a ride. They're taking you out of the way. And so this took me out of the way as they're taking care of business. It just, it takes you somewhere you look back on years and go, wow, if I hadn't have done that or if I would have done this and that, my life would be different. But I really like where I am now with what's going on. And that was a, a real amazing thing to happen to me was to pull this out of the trash as a joke and put it on the album and have it be a life-changing moment because that album and that single were number one in the world in I think 74 and 75 uh, and before that I'd done that with the guest with American Woman never thinking I could ever achieve that again with wanting that to be my goal but not even knowing how to do that in the first place because most bands all you want to do is make a record then you want to get it on the radio then you hope it gets on the charts then you hope it sells 10 copies, then you hope it sells a million copies, and then you hope it gets to number one. There's all these different things that you kind of dream and, uh, and strive for. But when they happen, they're a total miracle and a blessing because you don't know what you did to get them there. Just things all line up and suddenly, bam, everything works and you're kind of stunned by it all. That's why a lot of guys get pretty blotted at that because they try to do it again and they don't know what they did. So it kind of gets confusing. I just realized that it wasn't me. Uh, I was on this ride with many other forces guiding it and it was really a great ride. And if I could go on it again every single night and do this ride, because when I play the beginning to this song or American Woman and Taking Care of Business, there's something that happened when I wrote those songs that when I start to play it again, we, all, we as the audience all feel that electrical magnetic chemistry and energy that's in that song that starts out the song and it never changes it never goes away that man and i'm not exaggerating here has a million stories randy wraps up this episode of behind the vinyl the podcast and we appreciate you listening and would love it if you checked out some of our previous episodes and kept an eye out for new ones still to come oh and feel free to subscribe to our channel and leave a comment I'm Stu Jeffries. We'll chat again soon. This has been Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. Hosted by Stu Jeffries. Audio production courtesy of Doug Morehouse, Dan McIntosh, and Troy McCallum. Thanks for listening.